want to talk about one of my favorite subjects, heaven. I want to talk about heaven. This is a four-part series about heaven. This is the first part of the four parts, by the grace of God. If he lets me live so long to be able to preach him. I've done a lot of study and a lot of work, a lot of preparation about heaven. Read as much as I can, many books as I can about heaven. I read a 700-page book. Randy Acorn back there wrote a book, 700-page book in the library. It really could have been a 100-page book. It would have been much better had it been a 100-page book. But for some reason, some people are, you know, like Matthew Henry. If you don't know the commentary of Matthew Henry, he takes 30 pages to say what I would say in one page. Of course, you know the name Matthew Henry. You don't know my name, so that may mean something. But uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, that's our text, take that. We're going to be all over the Bible today. You'll not be able to follow me, but you can listen. I'm going to read numbers of Scripture. This, is, uh, this message today is uh, inculcated with Scripture. And personally, I think that's the best messages. Less opinion, more, more Bible. And this is uh, chucked full of Bible. This is like eating a soup that's got a lot of meat in it, not just soup. Jesus said these words, and when I do funerals, people oftentimes want me to repeat this part. Of John 14 is very hopeful. I don't know if you ever get down but I actually do know that you do get down. People get down. We, we, we live uh, symbiotic. Our bodies are symbiotic. You know, we're, we're up, and then we can have that process of going down, even physically. Your body's up, feels good sometimes, doesn't feel good other times. Sometimes when you get down, this is a great place to go in John chapter 14 as a born-again believer. It's not, by the way, heaven is not pie in the sky. It's not something we've made up because we thought we ought to have something good after death. It's something that God himself and the Lord Jesus himself states as clear as you can state anything in Scripture. I'm going to show you how power, how big it is in the Bible, this thing about heaven. Oh, the world would like to mock us and like to laugh at us about, oh, you guys just make something up because you're weak-minded you're weak and you need something to help you. No, no. No, that's not it at all. And by the way, there's nobody tough and brave when it comes to dying. When the moment of death comes, nobody's tough and brave. Death is a scary thing. David said about, talked about the horrors of death. It is. I've been around a little bit of it. Jesus said, let not, let not your heart be troubled. Excuse my sinuses a little bit today from last week, but I'll do my best. Let's repeat it. Let not your heart be troubled. Let's do it again. Let not your heart be troubled. Well, now do it. Well, now do it. I'm troubled, preacher. Well, Jesus said, don't be troubled. You mean I can have some power over that? You can. You can make a choice. I'm not going to be troubled. You ever get up in the morning and you're troubled? Things just weigh on you and you're thinking about things that may happen but may never happen. They say 98% of what you worry about never really does happen. And we're prone to do that. 
we're prone to kind of focus on the negative. He says, don't do it. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And I like verse 4, Whither, which is where I go, ye know, and the way ye know. You know, he told his disciples firsthand, you know, I'm going back to my Father, I'm going back to heaven, and you know the way. Of course, they said, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. After all that teaching, I know what it feels like to be a teacher. Sometimes you want to pull your hair out. Look at what Brother Calvert did. (laughs) You got so frustrated, people not paying attention, listening. I love you, bud. I love you, bud. I really do. I just want to talk a little bit about heaven for some reality, the reality of heaven this morning. This is part one. Heaven is where God dwells. Isaiah 66, 1 through 2 says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Who, where is the house that ye build unto me, and where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made. If I may stop there and say things did not get here, by evolution. They got here by creation, all through the Bible, one end to the other. And all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. And you ought to, you ought to know this one, Isaiah 66, 2. For this man will I look. To him that is a poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Now you men, you want these three things. Poor in spirit, that's little in your own eyes. Contrite, that's part of being little in your own eyes. You're repentive of nature. You're not big, proud, big, tough, and brave when it comes to God. You're tender towards God and understand that you don't deserve what he's given you. You're repentant of your mistakes and your sins. And you tremble at his word. Wow. You pick the old word of God up. And you realize, in some degree, you realize what it took to get this Bible to you. How many lives have been shed? How many people were burned at the stake? How many people were gutted? How many people were destroyed and their property was taken because they just simply wanted to believe and read the Bible? We are so blessed this morning. We live in America where this Bible is you can carry it around without people stopping and beating you or shooting you or throwing, they may throw you out. Wow. God's in heaven. Jesus said the Father was in heaven in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray our Father who art, which art in heaven. That's the prayer he taught his disciples to pray. I pray that, prayed it last night. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Some statistics about heaven. 
the word, the phrase heavenly father appears six times, exactly six times in the Bible, but in some variant form of our father or in heaven appears some 24 more times, which makes 30 times heavenly father, our father in heaven appear. The God of heaven, that phrase appears 29 times. Heaven in any application or form appears 582 times in the Bible. Now, if it appeared one time, it'd be good, two times better, five times unbelievable, 10 times unbelievable, 582 times. There is a heaven. Wilbur Smith, commentator, says that 40 times in the New Testament, heaven and earth are joined. That's the term heaven and earth. Sometimes he said heaven and earth are joined together, spoken of as one some 40 times. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, heaven's spoken about more in the book of Revelation than any other book of the Bible. Some 57 times in the book of Revelation, heaven is referred to. It is a book that refers a lot to heaven. I've been recently, uh, I listened to the Bible by Alexander Scorby, and I highly recommend you do that. Read it and listen to it. You get stuff both ways. And what I do to my truck is I loop it. So where the book, I go through the book of Revelation and it picks back up and loops. So I'm on my about 10th time listening to the book of Revelation. And every time it says that you read the book and obey it, you get a blessing. So I'm into starting the first of the year with a big blessing going through the book of Revelation. I'm excited about it. 57 times it talks about heaven. The saints, number three, the saints have a desire to dwell in heaven. Yeah. Do you have a desire to go to heaven? Heaven is a wonderful place, full of glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful. Heaven is a marvelous. Heaven is a beautiful place. Now, those may not be the words, but I think they're nice. <laughs> Years ago, at Tabernacle Baptist Church, we had an old boy that had a mellow voice, mellow very very similar to uh, uh, Brother Ludwig's voice, just a sweet voice, mellow voice, and and he would sing this one song. And I, and I you know, sometimes you, you people sing, you never remember, you don't remember. But I, I'm think I'm going back forty some odd years in my mind, and I can see our brother uh, singing that. He'd say, uh, "In that bright city." <laughs> Pearly white city, I've got a mansion and harp and a crown. And man, he'd sing the rest of that song, and I just was, I was dwelling in the heavenlies when that old boy sang that song. I want to go to heaven. Born again believers, do you want to go? I bet you don't want to go today. I've been around a lot of people dying. They want to live. And the reason you want to go to heaven because that's where life is. But I'm with you. I want to live. I want to, stay. I want to live as long as God has his desire for me to be here and I can help folks. Number four, we have a heavenly calling. Literally, we have a heavenly calling. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. We have a heavenly country we look forward to. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, 
We have a heavenly city we're going to dwell in in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. We are getting, we're receiving a heavenly gift in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. We have a heavenly Savior. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest which has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Don't you let this world knock you off of the things of, the, of God. Don't you let them through deception and through the thrill of the moment uh, have you substitute high-quality things with low-quality things. Don't sacrifice the permanent, Bob Jones Sr. said, on the altar of the immediate. The world offers you immediate gratification and immediate pleasure, but it's short-lasting and it has an aftertaste like that old saccharin they came up with years ago to substitute. There is no good substitute for sugar. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 says we have a heavenly summation. A heavenly summation. I bet you never heard about that. Well, here it is. Now, of the things which, have, which we have spoken, this is the sum. Right out of the book. Now, anytime the Bible says this is the sum, I'm big into conciseness. Into uh, sh- uh, get, say what you're going to say, shut up and sit down. I, I want to get her done and go down the road. I don't want to just hold you here to hold you here. And so when the Bible says, this is the sum, I'm like, whoa, I like summaries. Don't you people? I don't want to read the whole book. I just want to read the summary. Well, here it is. We have such an high priest who was set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Our Lord Jesus right now is on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. In the heavens. Someday we're going to be with him there. Hebrews 9 24 says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You ought to be happy about that. We need somebody. Uh, you're a lawyer, right? We all need lawyers once in a while. You need somebody to represent you. You go to court, it's too complicated. You don't know the venue. You don't know how things are supposed to work out. You don't know when you're supposed to sit down, when you're supposed to stand up, when you're supposed to go to the bench, when you're not supposed to go to the bench. You don't know what the law says. You're a victim looking for a place to happen. We need an advocate. And we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I don't know how to deal with it. The devil comes up there and accuses me, and he's a lot older than I am. He's a lot smarter than I am. Uh, all I know is if Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God who came to die on the old rugged cross and shed his blood and paid for my sin, and if I would repent and trust him by simple childlike faith, I can have a place in heaven in my name written in the Lamb's book of life someday to dwell in the heavenly country and in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. He's appearing in the presence of God for me. You say, preacher, I'm never going to have it. You, you, you 20 somethings. You 20 something, 20, 30 somethings. I'm never going to own a house. Interest rate went up. I begged you to buy a house when it was 2%, but no. <laughs> now you waited till it's 8%, 7-8%. I remember I bought my first house was 11 and three quarters percent. 
my neighbor's house was 17%. Now, the old folks, I was coming kind of bummed out about that high interest, but the old folks were happy. They were walking in church like this. Oh, I'm so happy. I said, why are you happy? Because my CD is paying 12%. No risk. No investment, just a CD, 12%. They were happy. But we, we young people were, had tears running down our eyes. Or down our cheeks, I should say. Had tears running down because that made my house payment go way up. Every percent, 100 bucks a month. Rule of thumb. And you, you say, I'm never going to get in a house. Well, if you never get into a house and you rent your whole life, which you shouldn't do, you should buy when you can. I can give you a promise today that will make you feel better. We have a heavenly substance. I'm talking about a possession. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34 says, You have compassion in me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have no in heaven a better and enduring substance. Substance. Something that lasts forever. No matter what you own in this life, no matter how many houses you may own, or no matter how much money you may pile up in a bank, you know you're going to have to die and leave it. But the things that God gives you, you never have to leave. You'll never see them taken away. Nobody's going to threaten them. The, the thief is not going to come in and steal, and the moth and the rust and the dust is not going to cover them and destroy them. And if you leave your house for very long, you people who own houses know what maintenance is all about, man. Everything in that house is breaking and quitting and stopping and you got to replace it all in 25 years and redo it again. Water heaters are stopping and faucets quit running and, and, and air conditioners quit working and, and everything, but not in heaven. I have an enduring substance. And so do you, by the grace of God, if you know Jesus is your personal Savior. Not pie in the sky, Bible. Bible. I'll tell you what. With that, you can take the trouble that's dished out on your plate and there's going to be trouble dished out on your plate. You're not going to go through this life without some trouble. You're not, what must I be carried through the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sail through stormy seas? No, I must fight if I would reign. Incur increase my courage, Lord. You're going to have trouble. Mark it down. But you're going to have somebody to walk through the trouble with you by the grace of God as a born-again believer. You're going to have the Holy Spirit when you. He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. According to Jesus' words in John chapter 14, he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, 19, 20. God's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's going to be with you all the way home. That's, whoa, that's good stuff. This life in Christ is a shadow of the heavenly. Hebrews 8, 4 through 5. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, saying there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. That is Jesus. There's already priests here. He's a priest in heaven. Who serve these priests serve under an example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, he says, See, saith he, that you make all things according to the pattern showed thee on the mount. The things of the temple that were shown Moses were in heaven. Now, that's interesting to me. Those things which he made, Solomon and them made on earth, were a pattern of the things which he saw in heaven. There was a, heavenly, a shadow of heavenly things in the life of Christ. 
some definitions of the word about heaven. I looked up the word. It means height. In Hebrew, it just means heights. In the Greek, it means that which is above as opposed to that which is high, that which is high as opposed to that which is low, that which is noble as opposed to that which is common, that which is celestial as opposed to the terrestrial, and that which is good as opposed to the bad. It just means up, high. Where is heaven? That's a good question, isn't it? Where is heaven? I got a real simple answer, Bible answer. It's where God is. Because there's no heaven without God. God makes heaven what it is. You don't want to be where God's not. I tell people about hell. You know the most scary thing about hell is not the fire, not the re- no rest day or night, not, not the suffering that it describes about hell. And there's a lot said about that. That's not really the scary thing about hell. The scary thing about hell is the absence of God. The absence of God. Wherever God is, there's good. And where there's no God, there's bad. Wherever God is, there's light. And where there's no God, there's darkness. Wherever God is, there's no pain. Where God isn't, there's pain. Where Where God is, there's peace. He says, I give you a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that men don't know about. Where God is, there's peace, but where God's not, there's agony of soul. You don't want to be where God's not. You want to go to heaven where God is. And you're not going there with sin in your life. And if you, you have to pay for your own sin, you're not going there. But if you'll let Jesus pay for your sin on that old rugged cross and you'll say, I'm a sinner unable to save myself. I believe you, Jesus, are the one, the Christ, the Son of the living God. In some fashion or another, I repent of my sins and I turn to thee with all my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be born from above. I want to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Man. Don't you leave here. And if you're watching on on the internet when it shuts off, you ask Jesus to save you. Don't you let another day go by without knowing you know you have eternal life. 1 Kings. Well, it says in Deuteronomy 10.4, Behold, the heaven of heaven, it says, The heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. That's where he's at. 1 Kings, in the dedication of the temple, chapter 8, verse 27, Solomon said, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens, that's an interesting phrase, cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. Paul, the apostle, got to, he got a rare look at heaven. He got to go what he called, and he, he nobody else in the Bible said this, I believe, but him, He said he got to go to the third heaven. That means there's three of them. Well, there's one, which is the air you breathe. By the way, that's 62 proximate. Now, I looked this up, and you can fact check me all you want. But I looked this up last night two, three different ways and got two, three different answers. So I'm not sure anybody really knows for sure. But how thick is the atmosphere of air above us? Oxygen only goes up about 62 miles. That's it. 
62 miles, there's absolutely no oxygen after 62 miles, and there's kind of this distance between space and earth there. 62 miles straight up. That's the uh, terrestrial. And then after that, where you see the stars and the moon and all that other stuff, that's the celestial. And then what you don't see and what Hubble telescope doesn't see and the other telescope doesn't see is what's beyond that, and that's called in the Bible the third heaven. That's where God dwells. It's interesting to me, God can transcend the rules he makes. He made all the rules of nature. He made all the rules. The scientists will say, there's no possibility that Jesus can come back because if he's passed the farthest star, then it would take zillions of light years to make it back. You know, they figure up 186,000 miles per second and they divide it all in there in their little calculation. What they don't know is that God who made 186,000 miles per second can transcend that law and transport, teleport, whatever you want to call it. He can do it. He says in the twinkling, the rapture is going to be in the twinkling of an eye. The word twinkling of an eye is a pretty big word, but in the Greek it just simply means the, the, the smallest divisible amount of time. So if the rapture was coming, before my voice hit the back of the auditorium, in fact, it's so fast, it'll be so fast, before my voice even gets this far out of my mouth, the rapture will be over. The twinkling of an eye. Just quick. Boom. When Jesus calmed the sea, in fact, I believe it was when he walked on water, and they, and they let him come into the boat. The Bible says immediately the boat was at land. He transported it, broke the rules of, of, and put them right up to the land. God, God has no problem with that. I got no, by the way, do you have any problem with God doing anything? If you do, you got a little small God. One time I talked to a rabbi, and I, he, didn't, he didn't believe, really, I could tell it pretty soon, he didn't believe in the miracles of the Old Testament. He didn't believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He didn't believe Noah had a worldwide flood. And I said, what in the world? I said, you as a Hebrew, of all people, you would think you, but I said, you, you got a little small God. My God, which is Jehovah God, which is God you say is your God, is a big God, and he can do anything, go anywhere. Jesus said it with God, there is nothing impossible. You agree with that, right? Oh, I like that. That's hopeful. How about that? That's hopeful. With God, there's nothing impossible. Boy, the Greeks counted the stars. They were big into science. They said there were about 3,000 stars. Now, there also, this number varies. I've looked up three, four different ways. It varies from this group or that group. I guess who counts how dark the night is, et cetera. But about 3,000 stars. He told Abraham in Genesis 15, 5, and he brought him forth abroad, and he told Abraham, look now toward the heaven and tell the stars, and if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Science today with this advanced telescope says the stars basically are innumerable, just like the old 3,500-year-old passage in Scripture said. Those old boys weren't dumb like you think they may have been. They built stuff we don't have a clue how they built. We don't have a clue how they cut stone the way they did. 
We don't know a lot about what they did. The little bit that's left for us mystifies us. How they moved such heavy objects because they knew stuff. Lost knowledge. He said to Abraham, the stars there, he said they're multiple without number. I guess science says that stars today, their biggest guess, and I think it's even bigger than this now. This is older information. 150 with 18 zeros. But I think it's bigger than that now. The Bible says the Satan is the prince and power of the air. Now, when he's talking about that, I believe he's talking about the possibly the, the terrestrial uh, and the celestial. Satan is the prince and power of the air. It could mean, however, because of the word air, speaking just of our atmosphere, which would mean about 62 miles of atmosphere that we have around this earth, or maybe you say there's 100 miles of it, but this is something like that that he has dominion over. There's a war going on. Let me read it. It says, Ephesians 2, 2, wherein in past time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You see that spirit today. Do you see the spirit of the evil one today? The more I hear the news, the more I want to go to heaven. But I don't want to go to heaven and leave people back here that aren't going. So I want to stay so I can tell them about there's a heaven and a Christ to get there. And so it's, a, it's um, um, this sounds like Bible. I'm torn between two, which to die would be much better, but to stay with you is more needful. That's what Paul said. So as long as God lets stay with you, I'll stick with you. But I'm getting to go to a place where all that Satan and all his influence is gone. Eventually, Satan's going to be cast out. I want to take your Bibles, Revelation chapter 12, real quick here. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 12, it says, There was war in heaven. We're talking about heaven today. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought against his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. I'm speaking about the third heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan was deceived the whole world. Satan literally is deceiving the whole world, causing people to hate each other. They hate each other because of where they were born. They hate each other because of the color they've got. They hate each other because of the philosophy they maintain. They just want to come up with a reason. Where do you think all that hate is coming from? From the old nature and from Satan himself. Boy, God doesn't want that for sure. He deceived the whole world. He was cast into the earth and the angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Now listen to this. Which accused them before our God day and night. And that bothers me that he's up there accusing me. Because you know what the trouble is? I'm giving him material. Some of what he says is true. That's what I hate, I hate about that. But even what he says about me being true, Jesus' blood, God's son, cleanses me from all sin. God knew who I was before he saved me. By his grace and mercy. Now like the next verse in verse 11 there, it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. If you're going to overcome us because of the blood of the lamb. And, and, the word of their testimony. 
Don't ever be ashamed of telling people, I'm a born-again Christian. I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I go door-to-door a lot, and I try to tell people, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And that they love not their lives unto death. You have to have some sincerity there, amen? You have to be willing by the grace of God to die for the cause of Christ if God so chose or would choose to do that. Be brave. Be bold as a lion. But they overcame the evil one with that. It says, therefore rejoice ye heavens, that's the celestial and the terrestrial, and, ye that, and the third heaven, ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the heavens of the earth to, for the sea, on the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. There's going to be a war someday in, in heaven itself. I don't think it's taking place yet. It's coming. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we wrestle not against... I want you to notice, if you look at that verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, I want you to notice five times he mentions the word against. This world is a born-again believer... We are fighting daily. We are soldiers of the cross. We're told to endure hardness as a good soldier of the cross. Why? Because we're battling every day you get up. You're battling against the powers of darkness. This is not some uh, cakewalk. This is a battle. He says here, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know, I never wrestled in high school. I never wanted to be that close to a boy. Now, if girls and boys wrestled, I would have wrestled. (laughs) But because it was boys on boys, I ain't doing that. Now you see how bad I am. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in, that's that word for heaven, high places. This invisible war, you may not see it, but it's behind the scenes raging. It's raging for the souls of men. Are you, are you uh, going to heaven when you die? I believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The Bible's clear there is a heaven to gain. And there is a hell to shun. Don't you be deceived. Don't you put it off. Don't you miss it. Because God wants you to go to heaven. He's done everything necessary for you to go to heaven. And now it's upon you to repent and by faith trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you do that? Would you do that? The best present you could give the Christ as we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus, the best present you could give him is yourself. Your soul, your life, your service for however many years you got left. Give it to the Lord Jesus and say, this is a token, just a token of my appreciation for what you've done for me. Father in heaven, help us this morning to have a fresh look an understanding of heaven. Father, in the same token, help us to miss hell. Pray that there be somebody here in the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've never repented and trusted Him by faith, simple faith. They may have prayed a prayer sometime. 
but as they, they know, and you know in your heart that it never was real, it never happened, nothing changed in your life. If you get born from above, things have to change. They have to change. Now, there's different rates that they change, and they change at different rates, but they don't not change. Something as big as having the Holy Spirit come in and dwell with you forever, that's got to change your life. Are you saved today? Have you been changed? And if you doubt that, let's make it, let's make it certain. Father, we pray that you anoint your Holy Spirit's moving upon this meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.